Yes, all good. Fantastic. I just love being reminded of God's sovereignty, his lordship over all things. Yeah, Jesus, we just thank you. So we've been singing about hope. We live in a nation that is so in need of hope. We also thank you that the hope of this nation, and in fact the hope of the whole world, is not tied up in an election result, but it is all tied up in what you have already accomplished, King Jesus, in coming that first advent, in dying on a cross, and in raising up in glory. Our hope is in you. But Lord, we pray for grace for this nation. We pray for mercy. We pray, Lord Jesus, your will be done on earth, in this nation, as it is in heaven. We pray, whatever the outcome, you will use it for the furthering of your kingdom, your plans, and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Great. So, over these next four services leading right up into Christmas Day, we're going to be pressing pause on our series in Hebrews, and we're going to be looking at Advent, looking at just the wonderful, wonderful blessing that we have in being able to look back and seeing that Jesus came. He came. He fulfilled the promises of God. He came, but we also look forward to his second coming. It's also a time of reflection and preparation as we look forward to Jesus coming again, to the moment when he will make all things new. The word Advent comes from the Latin that simply means coming. There's this sense of expectation. He's coming, he's coming, and he's coming again. There's that sense of expectation and expectancy makes all the difference when it comes to waiting. We can wait with hope when we have expectancy. I think if we're honest, none of us really like to wait. Claire can testify to my lack of patience you know, when it's, it's minor things, waiting for the bill to come in a restaurant winds me up. Just like, oh, we've eaten, can we go? It almost can ruin our whole evening if they are really, really slow. Petty, I know. What really winds me up, though, is when you have a driver in front of you. <laughs> At the end of Staten Road in particular, when we're trying to cross to do the school run, the lights have gone green. And the person then thinks, ah, I need to engage first gear. Ah, I need to release the handbrake. And slowly pull off, just in time for the lights to go red again. Don't get me started. I know I need a lot of the fruit of patience in my life, but I, I think none of us love waiting. Delay can cause frustration. And perhaps even in our, in our climate of ever increasing technology that's speeding up our lives to a ridiculous pace, 
We are all becoming even more impatient. I mean, I, I was, I actually kind of had to speak to myself. I was ordering something on Amazon just this week, and I got frustrated by the fact that it was coming the next day. <laughs> it's like, oh, because you know they can do same-day delivery now. I've ordered it. I want it here now. You know, even that evening. Oh, I've got to wait a whole day. It's getting ridiculous, isn't it? We don't like waiting. And yet, I love the build-up to Christmas. I love waiting for Christmas to come. I love the whole sense of expectancy, the whole sense of anticipation. Waiting can be fun when there is an assurance that the thing that we are waiting for will come. We know that Christmas will come on the 25th of December without fail. Therefore, we can enjoy the wait. We can enjoy the anticipation. We can enjoy the expectation. When we wait for something that we are absolutely certain will come, then our waiting is filled with hope. We've been singing about hope this morning, the hope that we have in Jesus. We've been giving testimony of hope that we have in conversations with family and with neighbors, with colleagues. We have a hope that Jesus will come again. And that changes everything. That motivates us, not just to lay about twiddling our thumbs, but it motivates us to prepare. The fact we know Christmas is coming motivates us to get ready. Some of us, that kicks in on Christmas Eve. But we get motivated. We get motivated. But hope deferred, as Proverbs 13, 12 says, can make the heart sick. When expectation fades, because what we are waiting for has taken too long in our eyes, then our hearts can grow sick. Waiting then becomes a very difficult period, a very painful time, sometimes a very isolating time. When we are waiting for something and that expectation has just waned and has faded, hope deferred makes the heart sick, whereas longing fulfilled, the proverb goes on to say, is a tree of life. A tree of life. Theologian and author Lewis Mead says this, waiting is the hardest work of hope. Goes on to say, waiting may be the hardest single thing we are called to do. I'd also add probably forgiveness into that. I mean, two incredibly hard things that God calls us to do. And those of you who are waiting for God to break in, waiting for an answer, waiting for an open door, waiting for a spouse, waiting for a child, waiting for healing, whatever you are waiting for, you will identify with that statement. Waiting can be the very hardest thing that God calls us to do. And so this morning, I just want to focus on how we can wait well. How we can truly celebrate the fact that Jesus did come that first Christmas, that he did meet our deepest and, and, and greatest longing. 
That has already been fulfilled. And how that can therefore be a tree of life, as the proverb says, that can carry us through our current waiting. There is a tree of life in the truth of that first Christmas. So I said, many of us are holding on to personal promises, though. Many have, got, many have been waiting on God for years. Yeah, and that can be frustrating, deeply painful. As I said, sometimes the hardest thing we can experience. The very fact that God's ways are higher than our ways, that he sees the whole picture and we just see the little speck, that can lead to a lot of confusion and a lot of frustration. We know that Jesus is king. We've been singing about it. We know he is sovereign. He is always good. He is all-powerful. And yet he calls us to wait. Yeah, and even when God does finally answer, like that first Christmas, sometimes it's not the answer we were expecting. You know, a baby? You promised a king, a champion. And so my prayer really this morning is that as we come into this time of Advent, this time of, of, of waiting expectantly, I'm praying that, that there will be a fresh sense of expectancy that is birthed in our hearts, that is rooted in the total faithfulness of our God, the assurance that his timing is perfect, that he is good, he withholds no good thing from us. We can trust him. Galatians 4.4 says that the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. Just at the right time, we can trust his timing in the wait. So to help us, we're going to be looking at Isaiah chapter 64. Throughout this series, we'll be dipping into Isaiah a fair amount. And uh, really, Isaiah was a, a prophet to the people of Israel around 740, 700 BC, around that sort of time. It was a pretty bleak period again in Israel's history. Towards the north, we have the Assyrian Empire growing and expanding this constant threat. At the same time, we know that Israel was a divided nation. Israel and the northern kingdoms to the up north, and then we had Judah in the south. A divided kingdom, a diminishing kingdom. And although the context in which Isaiah was speaking into was one where God's people just continued in their faithlessness, continued in their rebellion that would ultimately lead them into captivity, still the message that runs right the way through Isaiah is one of hope. It's one of incredible hope that despite their failing, God would come through. Despite their faithlessness, God would remain faithful. Despite the difficulties and the hardships that they were experiencing, God had not given up on them. There was an expectation of hope that runs right the way through, and we see it particularly in our passage this morning. This cry of this God, will you come down? Let's just read it. We're going to cut it into two halves. We're going to read verses one to four to begin with. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you, 
As when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down and make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him, who wait for him. Firstly, we wait well when we remember God's faithfulness. We wait well when we remember God's faithfulness. Here was a nation that for generation after generation after generation have been holding out for the fulfillment of God's promises, that they would become a great nation, that a king would come and establish a a throne that would last for eternity. They were holding out for this, generation after generation, carrying these promises. God, will it be in our day? Will this be the generation that you break into? You promised to make us a great nation. You promised to give us a king. God, when will you come good on your word? When will you come good on your promise? And God, time and time again, in complete grace, would speak through prophets such as Isaiah. Yes, giving words of warning and judgment for their sin, but also giving great messages of hope, reminding them time and time again that he hadn't forgotten them, that he was still with them, that he will come through. A king will come. And even after the time of the prophets, there's still another 400 years of absolute silence. 400 years is a long time. For God to be silent, no prophetic word, nothing, until an angel appears to a young girl called Mary. Incredible. 400 years. You know, in, in biblical kind of concepts, 400 years, we think, yeah, it's just a few generations. And when we're talking about Bible, we kind of think, generations and generations. Think about how long 400 years is. What was going on 400 years ago? Well, I'll tell you, actually, the, the pilgrims first stepped foot on a land called America. Actually, I think it was this year, wasn't it? 400 years ago this year? 400 years ago, the Civil War, the English Civil War, had not even exploded yet. It's a long time ago. 400 years ago, bonfire night was a new concept, courtesy of Mr. Guy Fawkes in his attempt at blowing up the Houses of Parliament. Isaac Newton was just a baby. No concept of gravity. There's an apple. You're still a baby. 400 years ago, Galileo was just about to discover the stars using this newfangled technology called a telescope. It's 400 years ago. A lot's happened in that time. (laughs) We're sending people probes into Mars, not just looking at them through a telescope. 400 years is a long time for God to be totally silent just to remain faithful in the waiting. Faithful in the waiting. And so Isaiah was speaking to a people who were carrying these promises. And so he looks back on God's faithfulness. 
He remembers the way God demonstrates his power time and time again, the way he rescued them out of Egypt, the way he parted the Red Sea, the way he provided for them in the wilderness, the way he defeated their enemies. Time and time again, the mountains trembled. The nations were in awe. No one has seen a God like this. He remembers his faithfulness. In our waiting, it is so helpful to look back. Look on the faithfulness of of your own journey. God, I remember when you broke in. I remember when you answered that prayer. I remember when you opened that door. It's so helpful. But also, as I said, just simply the very fact that God answered that promise by sending Jesus. One of the most perfect demonstrations of his love and his commitment to us. He didn't just raise up a champion from the people like he did in the time of Judges. No, no, he came down himself into our mess to raise us up. Came down in the person of Jesus. We know God did answer Isaiah's cry. He did open up heaven and come down. Hindsight's wonderful, really, isn't it? It's a wonderful privilege to look back and say, yep, God, you did it. You came through. You're faithful. Therefore, I know you will be faithful to the end. You will be faithful to the end. You know, we've already prayed about it, but we're we're heading into an election. Doesn't seem to be that many positive outcomes either way, really. But I am just so thankful that there is one person we can trust There's been lots of talk about who can you trust, all this thing about fact-checking and lies and all of that stuff. I am so grateful there is one we can totally trust, one who is totally true, one who is totally faithful, and in fact, one who is truly leading this nation and in fact, the whole world, and his name is Jesus. He is sovereign. He's in control. And whatever the outcome, we know he will establish his will, that his plans will come to pass. He is faithful. In our waiting, it's also good to remember that we're not alone. We're not alone. God came good on his promise by sending his Holy Spirit. We're not on our own. He's our helper. He's our counselor who both empowers us for the fight. As Rob was saying earlier on, we're in a fight. We're in a battle, but it's a battle that Jesus has already won. And we have the Holy Spirit who empowers us in the fight, but he also encourages us in the wait. We need both, don't we? We live in this now, but not yet of the kingdom. Jesus came to establish his kingdom, but it's our job to pray and to witness, to see that kingdom go throughout the world. We need the Holy Spirit's power in the fight, but also encouragement in the wait. He's given us that gift, and that changes everything. It changes how we wait because it stops us just going passive, twiddling our thumbs. No, there's an expectation. There's a call from God. In our waiting, Jesus said, behold, I will come again. But in the meantime, he's told us to go, to go, to do the works that he did, but actually even greater works, he says, to love as he loved to continue his mission, to pray and to keep on praying, God, your kingdom come increasingly on earth as it is in heaven. You know, I'm noticing a lot 
More recently, as we're going to prayer meetings, the, the R word has been mentioned again, revival. God is stirring up people's hope and people's faith for revival to come again. I, I love that. There's a sense of anticipation, a sense of excitement. God, will you break in again? 2020, there just seems to be so much going on as we're looking into that. So much, there's a real sense of movement and a call to pray and to give ourselves to pray, but also that sense of mission. You know, prayer and mission go hand in hand, obviously, don't they? There's a stirring again, an expectation, God, you're going to break in again. You're going to move again in a world that is desperate for truth, desperate for healing, wrapped up in so much hurt and so much division and confusion, desperate for God to break in. We need to remember he is faithful. He will do it again. There are greater things to come and ultimately he will return and make all things new. When we remember his faithfulness, it helps us to wait well. Secondly, we wait well when we allow God to change us in the wait. And this is so crucial. Let's read on, verses 5 to 9. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continued to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become one, like one who is unclean. And all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf. And like the wind, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold on you. For you have hidden your face from us and given us over to our sins. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Look on us, we pray, for we are your people. Isaiah was very, very well aware of the problem of sin in our lives. As Mike was preaching the other day about Jesus being the greatest sacrifice, you know, the, the whole law system just pointed to the fact we need a saviour. We need a savior. We can't do this on our own. Even our righteous acts are like filthy rags. But God's answer to that very question, how can we be saved, came seven or eight hundred years later when Jesus died on the cross and rose again in glory. Just imagine if Isaiah knew what we now know today, that God himself would take the penalty for our sin. That instead of the filthy rags, again, we've been singing it this morning, instead of our filthy rags of self-righteousness, we are clothed in Christ's righteousness, those royal robes that we don't deserve. It's amazing the fulfillment of that cry from Isaiah's heart. How can we be saved? Even our righteous acts are just filthy rags. God's answer was sending himself, dying in our place. You know, whatever you are waiting for, please rest assured your greatest need to be made right before God has already been accomplished in Christ. We can be assured 
of his finished work. We are both freed from both the power and the penalty of sin. That is good news, isn't it? Whatever we're waiting for, we know that's a done deal. I'm freed from both the power and the penalty of sin. That is truth. We don't have to strive. We don't have to convince God to be good to us. Sometimes when we're waiting for things, we can get into that mindset. Maybe if I do this or do that, I'll kind of twist God's arm and speed things up a bit. No, it's all grace. In fact, the waiting actually usually has more to do with his love for you than anything else. God has done a complete work of salvation in our lives. Yet there is still the work of sanctification. Be made more like Jesus. That is required. I love what author Ben Patterson says about this. He says, what God does in us while we wait is as important as what we are waiting for. I'll read that again. What God does in us while we wait is as important as what we are waiting for. So important. In the waiting, God shapes us. In the waiting, the waiting in itself is, a very, is the very tool God uses to make us more like his son. Time and time again, he tells his people throughout scripture to wait. From Abraham to Moses to the people of Israel to the very disciples, wait for the Holy Spirit. Waiting shapes us. It, ta- it stretches our faith. It develops our character. God is more interested in developing your character than you ever realize. But I know from personal experience, when waiting for something, for breakthrough, for answer, I know it can go one of two ways. We can either harden or we can soften. You know, we can get despondent in the wait. Nothing will ever change. In fact, there's no point hoping because it's just going to lead to disappointment. I know I've said that. Perhaps many of you have as well. So we get distracted. Well, I'll fill my longing with something else. (laughs) I'll just throw myself into work. Into, into, Into shopping, into chocolate, into the internet. Just to fulfill my longing, just to just get distracted from it. It's too painful. Or we can grow distant. Often those three go hand in hand. Despondent, distracted, and distant. We can just basically say, well, why why should I invest in this relationship with God? You know, he, he hasn't come through on my terms. It's kind of like spiritual sulking, really, isn't it? So we grow distant. And and actually, if we do recognize any of those things in our hearts, then can I encourage you just to process them with God? Be honest with him. The Psalms are full of people who have been raw and honest with God. As we mentioned a few weeks ago, you might find it helpful to process disappointment with a trusted friend. Pray through it. Pray through it. Because when we get like that, we become like hard, dry clay. Difficult to shape. 
difficult to mold. But when we follow Isaiah's model here, when we go back to God, being completely honest where we're at, he's totally honest in his cry to God, but also look back at his word, look at his past faithfulness, look at the very fact that Jesus came, that's what we can do, the very fact that he gave us his Holy Spirit who comforts us in the waiting, the very fact he gives us hope and courage if we allow him to, even in our disappointment, even in our weariness from simply waiting, our hearts can remain soft, soft before God. So we choose to trust, as we choose to yield to his ways, as we dare to hope again. There's risk, isn't there, with hope? We've been singing about surrendering. There's a real heart and cry, I feel, that God is, is stirring in our hearts this morning just to surrender afresh to his ways, his sovereignty, his will. The very act of waiting actually molds us, shapes us into a beautiful work of God's hand. I love how Philip Yancey in his book, uh, Reaching for the Invisible God, he describes so honestly his experience of waiting for God. He says, God's style often baffles me. Anyone identify with that? He seems to move at a slow pace. He prefers rebels and prodigals. He restrains his power. He speaks in whispers and in silence. Yet, even in these qualities, I see evidence of his long-suffering, his mercy, and his desire to woo rather than compel. I love that phrase. God's desire is to woo us gently rather than compel us, form us into a mold. No, no, he uses the weight. He uses situations and circumstances. And, and my prayer really is however long you have been waiting, however desperate for breakthrough you are, I pray that you will sense God's love afresh this morning, wooing you, drawing you closer to him, not drifting further away. In the weight we can know a real depth of God's love, a sense of his presence wooing us, drawing you closer. I don't know if you've ever watched um, these Bear Grylls survival programs, but usually what happens is if he's dropped into some dry desert place waiting for rescue, first thing you do is dig, dig deep for water, find a source of water. And the same is true when we are waiting for God to rescue us, to break in. We need to dig deep, dig deep into his word, dig deep into worship and into prayer and into just simply devotion, abiding in Christ as Jesus just commands us to do. Because when we do that, we will find spiritual water. We will find refreshment even in those dry places. Spiritual water that can actually soften our hearts. You know, even the hardest lump of clay, given a good soaking, becomes malleable again. Our lives become workable in God's hands if we learn to dig deep in the weight. 
God is committed to seeing our lives shaped and molded, to be a glorious work of his hands, to make us more like his son. He's committed to that. In the waiting, we are taught to draw on his strength, to put our faith in his promises and not just in what we see. That's hard, really hard at times, I know. It calls us for trust in him, trust in his timings. And so this Advent, as I said, really I feel God is stirring us to surrender afresh to him, to yield to him, to yield to his ways, to acknowledge that he is king of kings. He is totally sovereign. He is totally in control over everything. We can trust him. And my prayer is just the message this Christmas that Jesus did come down I pray that that will just stir up fresh faith in your hearts, fresh hope. He is a God who hears. He is a God who intervenes. He is a God who makes things right. And the truth is, whatever you are waiting for, the deepest longing of our hearts can only truly be fulfilled by one person, and that's Jesus Christ. That is the message of Advent. That's a message we need to allow to shape our hearts and our minds. The deepest longing, whatever I am longing for, the deepest longing is actually Jesus. It's Jesus. And that's a message we need to take to a waiting world. Amen. I'd love to pray for two different groups of people, really. I just mentioned what I felt God was putting on my heart. I think then we should worship, just allow the Holy Spirit just to continue to minister to us. And then there'll be a time for personal ministry as well. But I'd love to pray for those who have lost that sense of expectation and therefore motivation that Jesus is coming back. You know, in the same way, when we get older, Christmas can lose it's excitement. It's like, yeah, another Christmas, whoopee. You know, th- that sense of excitement that kids feel can often dull down a little bit. Same is true for the gospel. Some of us think, yeah, we know the story. We know what happens. And that sense of awe and just expectation of what God wants to accomplish through us has faded. I'd love to pray for you. Pray for fresh motivation to be witnesses. Pray for that same passion for the salvation of our friends and neighbors just to be ignited again. Jesus is returning and he is coming back for a glorious bride from every tribe and nation and tongue. And we are called to go. We are called to be active in the waiting. I'd love to pray for you. And secondly, I'd love to pray for those who really identify with that sense of hope deferred, that you recognize that your heart's been sick for a while. I'd love to pray that, that just God will just birth fresh hope in you again, that you'll just receive his love afresh, that the Holy Spirit will give you fresh conviction to keep on asking, keep on praying, keep on standing Some of you just need to to help, God's help to, to keep you standing. 
That's my prayer for you as well. Let's just bow our heads. I'm just going to pray for us as a church. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are, are totally faithful. That God, you came good on your word to send the Messiah. And we now know the absolute depth that you went to to rescue us from ourselves, from our sin. Thank you that we stand in Christ, righteous, accepted, loved, with a certain eternity, with you forever. Thank you. That is the position that we come to you now. And I pray, Lord, for those who have perhaps grown dull whilst they're waiting. Lord, those who have grown dull with just getting distracted with things. Lord, I pray, will you stir up fresh motivation to reach the lost, to be that light and that salt, to be the ones who will speak hope into a hopeless world, to speak the message of Christmas that, God, you are Emmanuel with us for eternity. And, Lord, for those who have been waiting and waiting for breakthrough, thank you that you are with them in the waiting, that you are sovereign over all things, that they can trust in your timing. But Lord, I pray that they will experience a fresh sense of you wooing them, a fresh sense of your love and your commitment to them, that you have not forgotten them, that in fact, even in the waiting, you are at work molding and shaping them to be made more like your son. I pray for fresh hope to come in Jesus' name. That they might not just stand, but Lord, that they might move forward in all that you have for them. We pray for grace in Jesus' name. Amen.